It's time for counterculture. Are you tired of how divided we are? Let's find the peacemakers. Think everyone is mean and selfish? Let's talk to those who are helping us all be more loving and caring. Think our culture is going downhill? Let's meet those who are helping us flourish. And now your host, Jonathan Sanborn. Well, hello, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to Counterculture. We're excited to have each and every one of you. We hope we have something of value, some great conversations around things that kind of go against the grain of our culture. We're looking, we, uh, the whole sh- sh- counterculture exists because we want to be like Jesus. We want to have conversations that help us to be more and more like Jesus. And that's going to set us apart because we're going to be peacemakers. We're going to be loving radically instead of selfishly. And we're going to be looking for ways to build up culture and not just tear things down. And so those, that's why we, why, why this show exists. I, uh, I'm, this has been my background in, in ministry and in business and in various enterprises, uh, even around the world. I've, uh, I just, I keep coming back to this theme. It's like, how c- do we need to be different so that we can be like Jesus? So uh, today we have in studio Jamie Procknow. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. We're so glad you're here. Jamie is a Northern Arizona resident, a lifelong resident. Nope. I, I moved to Northern Arizona when I was 22, 22. So it's been a minute. I don't, can I say that? It's 20 years. Oh, 20 so years. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, so One was... foot in the grave. <laughs> it feels like it, it some does. days. <laughs> so... So Jamie is time. She manages a pool construction company with her husband, and she works with has worked with several nonprofit organizations. Where it's where I got to know her. She uh, working with child welfare and social justice, and she works with her community. She's a guest speaker. She dances, writes, works. Uh, do you are you in a circus? Um, it feels like it. <laughs> circus? No, she could be. Well, actually, she's not in a circus. But there's an interesting thing about if you we have if we if you were able to look at a family portrait, mm. which I will post on the on the podcast, you're going to see that it's Jamie, her husband, mm-hmm. her, his his first name Josh, Jamie and Jamie and Josh. Right, I met Josh, great guy. His <laughs> first name slipped my mind. Jamie and Josh, and there is a whole bunch of kids along it's like a, the Costco of children <laughs> like just there's just you get an eight there's how many how many children are next to you in your family picture there are there are eight eight in our children photo. <laughs> yes <laughs> it's a smorgasbord of children smorgasbord <laughs> of children and so with that goes all kinds of jokes there's so many big family jokes yes there's the there's the 15 passenger van jokes there's the yeah. There's the breeder jokes. Yes. Oh. There's all kinds of them. Mm-hmm. I've I've heard a lot of them, and I've only got two kids. Yeah. You know, on the Costco subject, I actually got out of the car one time at Costco, and and you know, then the kids just kept coming and coming and coming, and the person near to us said, "It's like a clown car." A clown car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Making clown sounds and things like that. Yes. No, but there's nothing. There's but this is something that isn't just like a. Some, this is a unique situation and a fantastic situation, and we would love to hear the why, the how, and what this means to you. So let's talk. So okay. let's, let's hear – I'd love to hear about it. So, But before we get into the nitty-gritty, we start with what we call fake news. So we're going to get into the conversation. So fake news. So in fake news, I, there, we, you share something that's true about you and something that's not true about you. And I'm going to try to guess which one is true. So I'm on a six – episode winning streak. Really? 
Really? So I've lost two, won one, and then I had six in a row. So I'm like, I'm acing it right now. I don't mean I don't mean to brag or anything. Okay. So, but I think you could possibly stump me. So. Okay. Well, let's just start with um, considering. You know, all the kids and, and right. you know. So back when TLC was doing all of the different reality shows and there's okay. like Brad and Angelina and like, you know, that was another sure. joke that people used to say to okay. us all the time. Well, we were actually contacted by producers of a show wanting to do a reality a series. TLC reality show. Okay. Something that's like possible. That. Yes. Something like that. <laughs> okay. If I was a producer, I might I consider. Okay. So that, there's, there's some plausibility there. Yeah. Okay. Second. Okay. Yeah. What's. So the second one. then the, I was in Florida um, and I was a teenager and I felt the, the waters were murky, but I was just like, I really wanted to get in and, you know, see, see what this ocean business was all about. And I felt something around my feet uh-huh. and I was like, I couldn't see what it was, though. Um, and someone came to help me out and it turns out it was a shark and that person was bit instead of me. Okay, so the person next to you to help you was bit by a shark. Yes. Okay, so I'm going to say the second one's a lie. <laughs> I'm going to say that the second one's a fake, I should say, fake news. The shark bite's a lie? Yeah. It is not a lie. It is not a lie. <laughs> oh. Bummer for the person who helped me, though. I, so, but, and the TLC is the fake news. It's fake news. Okay, well, Woo-hoo! you stumped me. Well played. <laughs> well played. So... But I'm still go- – I'm going to call up TLC. I'm going to make that happen. I'm- <laughs> but it could. It keeps me humble and there's always something good to be about being humble. Um, so tell me about your – you. Uh, these some, some of these children are your biological children and some you have fostered and adopted. So tell me about yes. your family. Um, yeah. So you know, one thing I always like to share about our family, it's an, it's an interesting uh, situation. I, I think there's a common assumption that when people adopt that it was like – their backup plan or something like that. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't for us, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, in fact, the plan. I think it's a great backup plan for families. Mm-hmm. Um, but it it can also be the plan. And that's the case for us. Mm-hmm. And so before I married Josh, um, I told him that this was part of my heart's desire, that, that God had really laid it on my heart, really, to adopt. And so that was kind of um, important to me if that was whether or not he was on the same page, and he was. So, so can, do you mind me? I, I want to push into that quite like sure. how did God lay it on your heart? So, you know, it's always I always feel kind of weird saying this because I was so young when I knew I, I had this just an understanding for as long as I can remember really that I was going to adopt. And what I think is interesting about that is that there was no one adopted in my family. I didn't have any adopted friends that I was aware of, but mm-hmm. I very clearly understood the concept of adoption. And I knew that, I mean, I was that little child with carrying her little baby dolls all around, but I knew, like, I knew how they were coming to me. Yeah. And this was, you know, I wasn't going to grow those babies in my tummy, is <laughs> what I thought when I was right. a child. So, yeah, you didn't want to have a baby. You wanted to adopt children. Yeah, so and I wanted just... to have children. Right. You know, as, as I grew older, I decided I wanted to have right. children as well. But um, I thought I'd have maybe one biological child or so, right. and then we, I would adopt. So, 
So, so then, so you get married, and you find Josh Greg is totally in on this. Yes, so and, and actually, you talk him into it. He, I didn't have to talk him into it, and and actually, one of the reasons I fell so madly in love with my husband was because um, he he was a great father when I met him. So he was raising his daughter; she was one, and um, eventually, I would adopt my daughter. She was my stepdaughter at first, mm-hmm. um, but um, yeah. So I she was one when mm-hmm. I met my husband, and he was the best dad mm-hmm. and just yeah so so anyway he explained to me that his parents always had children from the neighborhood in like they'd stay for months and his parents were just those kinds of people and right. so he assumed it would be similar in his life and this was definitely a progression of that thought obviously sure. this isn't the same as you know having hosting the neighborhood um, kiddo for right. a few months but right but this still. isn't a pool party all the time <laughs> no. this is inviting yes yes to live with you permanently as, yes yeah. Yes, knowing that there's likely trauma, et cetera, et cetera. But, Absolutely. So, yeah. Um, so so we decided to pursue that pretty shortly into our marriage, actually. Um, but, but uh, you know, we also wanted to have biological children. We had kind of discussed having biological children and then adopting. Didn't end up going that route. So mm. we went straight. Uh, and then when looking at fo- uh, at adoption, we ended up deciding – we looking looking at different avenues – Right. We chose foster care feeling like we had something to to bring to the table, um, an opportunity to work alongside biological families, hoping to help uh, restore their family, uh, bringing them into to our, our family to, to love not only the children, but their family of origin. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then knowing that gave us the full freedom to take our hands off the wheel, no picking out profiles, no, none the of perfect that. Perfect child, the trophy child. That yeah. Would be, yeah right. <laughs> none of that. We wanted God to bring who he would. Wow. And we wanted to love who he put in front of us and, and let, let, let him have com- complete control. Talk about counterculture. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we want this. We, we get these dreams of what we think everything should be like or either our perfect family or things like that. But you're saying you're remaining open to God what he's and how he's opening your heart and your home. Absolutely. Huh. Yeah. And also, you know, really, really wanting to lean into those birth family relationships, which nowadays in foster care, they really do uh, teach that model of trying to work alongside birth families. But back then – I said I told you earlier it's 20 years ago not not really but right. close to 20 years ago and so they uh they Separated. were all a little floored by what I was saying when we told our different caseworkers and things that that was our heart's intention they were a little like huh who are these people so cuz you because you, you were actually telling encouraging the caseworker to say I want to stay in touch with Yes, and and actually, they knew that soon coming down the pipeline, they were we're going to start changing to a model similar to what we were discussing. But they were actually kind of soft selling this idea to existing foster families and having a real hard time. Right, they were like, "You want us to do what with who?" And you know, no, (laughs) that's its own set of trauma and relationships and connections. Yeah, and yeah, but the data the. The data shows otherwise. Like shows this is actually it's still a positive as much as possible. It's it's necessary. It's better for the children. Right. Yeah. Rather than some, we think of the clean break. 
right. As the only way, the best way. But, you know, thinking too, I mean, I, I guess if you wanted to, to try to find a selfish angle, um, there are selfish angles to this. I mean, it's, it's not really. That wasn't my yeah. intention. But what you could certainly say for this birth family situation is, um, okay, if a child returns to their family and we have established a great relationship, guess what? Nobody ever loses. Like, the, 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 we've just simply gained um, new new family or mm-hmm. extended our family to whatever extent they'll allow us to continue to be involved in their life. But I will tell you that I still keep in contact with birth families, biological mothers and mm. fathers of children I fostered once upon a time. Mm. Um, so even when that child was returned to home. So it's, it's what a blessing that's been to us. So in addition to the, your eight children, so three, yeah. how, three are biological, how many? Uh, only two are two biological. Two are biological. Yes. And then the rest are adopted. And then you've also fostered additional mm-hmm. children. Yeah. Okay. Now I'm guessing the, uh, a listener to this program would go, you, they've just put you into like the Avengers superhero category. <laughs> like I, that just, it just seems so otherworldly. Mm-hmm. But this isn't other world. Like you're real. Like you're a person. <laughs> and so, what would you say to someone who like r- instantly writes you off as someone who's just they would never see themselves as capable of ever doing anything like that? Okay. Well, that is a very it would be a very false impression of me to think of me in the in a context of a superhero or a saint because I'm right. so not. Um, and and what I really like to convey is that in fact I am I'm extremely flawed. Um, I had an insane life growing up, and and here's what I really think is important for people to see: what child, especially one that's come from trauma and possibly neglect or you know whatever the circumstances may be. How helpful is it to come in and live with a saint or a superhero? I, I mean, then, 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 where's the hope in that? Mm-hmm. I lived through madness in my life and felt very equipped in in my brokenness. And those circumstances mm. are, in fact, uh, what make me, I would say, more of an ideal mm. candidate to love people. Because again, it seems out of reach. Uh, for a person who has has really had difficulty, if they come into a home where all is well and has never mm. had any trouble and it's right. paradise, <laughs> that just doesn't seem. I mean, who want? Who, wow. where's the value in that? So. That's a, you're kidding on something that's that's a very profound truth to me. And when I've encouraging people to find what God wants them to do in their life, is that where has God broken you? Mm. And oftentimes the place where you've been wounded is the place where you can bring the most healing. Amen. And uh, that's a Henry, a Henry Nowen wrote a book called The Wounded Healer, very influential in my life. And I just I, – I am so aware of what you're talking about that it's – but that's hardest because that means we have to go there. We have to face our own trauma sometimes and yes. issues. Yes. I wouldn't recommend uh, moving forward into that without the healing sure. component, or you know. But that doesn't mean we don't still have cracks. Yeah, um, <laughs> absolutely. So yeah. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Counterculture with Jonathan Sanborn. We have Jamie Procknow in the studio with us, uh, sharing about her family and her journey of uh, adoption and fostering so many children. We love he- having her here. Um, so, what is missing in the current discussion about fostering and adoption? 
Well, it's a really tricky thing. Unfortunately, and fortunately, I mean, we do a great job protecting children in care. We keep their identities very sealed and all of those sorts of things. We keep them out of media. We keep, you know, we right. keep them kind of away. But the problem is we have this false understanding, unless you're really paying attention to the numbers, you know, we have a false understanding of our, our situation and across our, our nation. Right. Uh, we, in fact, are desperate for homes for children and not just a place for them to live, but a place for them to love and be loved in the middle of their most challenging mm-hmm. time in life. And and if not us, who and what happens if we don't? Right. Well, the numbers are, are, are have been bad, got a little better, but we also know this year it's going to be a tsunami of need as the, the country reopens. And we, eventually, once we Start to we realize, and all these kids who were being reported on, yes. were are have been hidden away. They haven't been in front of teachers. They haven't been out in public, and the homes the are under incredible amounts of stress. Are now gonna we're gonna find out there's gonna be lots and lots of needs, and so it's yes. a it's a question we need to ask all of ourselves. First off, is are we willing? Yes. Are we even willing to to go there? Yeah. Right. Uh, um, and so you've encouraged peop- others to uh, open up their homes. And what's usually what, – what's what do you ask of people? Well, um, you know, there are so many ways. So, so foster care isn't the only way, but it's a necessary and important way. Right. Uh, first, ask some questions of ourselves. What are our fears? What's the big fear? What – are we afraid that we're not equipped? Is it because of our past, our struggles? Have we experienced healing? Maybe maybe mm-hmm. reassess that line of thinking. Always right. checking our thought processes for truth. Uh, if it's a teenager, you know, there's so many teenagers. What about allowing a child to live in your home for the last one or two years, even if it's a bumpy road of, of their childhood? You know, giving a child an opportunity to have someplace to come home to for Thanksgiving and Christmas and whatnot is immeasurably Mm. important. Mm. There's so much. But if they're gifted in the area of advocacy, check out CASA. Or if they have a Heart for Justice Foster Care Review Board. Or if they're really generous souls, it could be so many things. You know, a woman brought me pizza. (laughs) Yeah, Care Portal. (laughs) Yes. Um, a, A woman brought me pizza one time in the middle of my parenting madness and wow. I've never forgotten her generosity. Wow. So so it can be – I mean I'm saying like it could be so much or it could be something very simple mm-hmm. like that and that is not simple at all to a, a person you know, in that situation. So there's so many things I could direct a person to. That's a great point because you're, you're on the front lines but you need a supporting army in a sense behind you of resources and relationships and love and support. And I think that that mindset, like I always think of like World War II and B- D-Day and I'm a, kind of a World War II nut, but <laughs> not, a, not a military nut, but just World War II was really interesting. But um, there were so many things that went behind the scenes to make D-Day happen. And yes. we need – if we have families in our churches and around us that are willing to go on the front lines and open up their homes to, to need, real need and, and to, love, to love others, then we're going to need a lot behind them, a Absolutely. lot of training, support. Foster care is not a one man or one woman show. No. <laughs> Supports are n- critical yeah. to the success of the family uh, that is fostering as well as the children. And I can tell you that a lot of the children I fostered through the years full uh, remember feeling very surrounded mm. by the community of people around us. Mm. And that is as important as anything. Wow. That's fantastic. Um, highs and lows. 
we're going to go. If yes. uh, let's not let's not. Sh- uh, it's easy to sh- any any time we talk about a cause, it's easy to romanticize it. Yeah. I've what's, been accused of that. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody told me I was so kumbaya. And I was yeah. like, what? Ooh. No. Um, but, you know, I am optimistic. Um, highs, oh, there's so many. There's so many. You know, I've, I've held grandchildren. Um, I, I am a grandma, believe it or not. One of my foster daughters had a, a child, and yeah. so I'm a grandma. Um, that is an amazing moment. I've been uh, in weddings of my foster children. I have just had this beautiful privilege of watching these children grow up and also to be honest there are times when children leave your home and you're like did that help at all or did they feel that that was a positive experience it it was rough Mm -hmm. yeah where you (laughs) just don't know that was hard and Mm -hmm. you know it's funny because years later i'll still i mean the children will often keep in touch with me through social media etc and they'll say these things to me that are so shocking they'll they'll say things like i just remember you sitting crisscross applesauce this is a quote actually crisscross applesauce uh on the floor of the office all night long sharing stories about your childhood and listening to my struggles and it just wow. gave me and I'm like wow they remembered that like uh, it's, it's just amazing to uh, me and they count that as something that was really pivotal in their life mm. and I'm like so it was that all of those months for that one moment or whatever that they carry or whatever it is mm. but that's amazing to me to hear back from these children that I loved or um, oh man mountaintop moments oh I gotta tell you like one of my mountaintop moments uh-huh. here so I my one of my son's biological mamas um, she actually came around full circle and knowing and loving my my other children, she saw a need with one of my children who was st- struggling with addiction mm. and came alongside him before I ever knew that he had come back into this place of difficulty. And can you imagine um, one of my adopted children, it, his birth mom, came alongside of one of my other children in a way that I could not because wow. it wasn't something I, I fully understood or identified with. Right. And she loved my child in a way mm. that I could not. And I just thank God for her every day. And so that, that that's amazing to me. Um, but then Lowe's would go right into that, watching our children struggle in ways that, you know, healing has a timeline of its own. Right. And sometimes we don't get to see uh, the healing during the time that we foster a child, I, you know, I can't, I can't, I can't put things on a timeline that suits me. Mm-hmm. And it's hard. It's hard to watch our children hurt and, and know that healing is within their reach, but they have to be willing to receive it and do that work too. Mm. And, and, and sometimes you just want that so badly. Right. I mean, all the time. You sure. Want that so for badly. your children. Yeah. You, and, absolutely. And yet there, there it is. And you just watch the stuff happen and mm. it's just brutal sometimes. Yeah. But through the, all that, yeah. you've, you've remained positive and moving forward. You keep opening up your home, your love, your loving children. It's been a fantastic journey to see, you know, over the last few years, been watching you on social media and see what you've been doing. But that's not the end of the story. It sounds like you're up to something again. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that I'll ever not be up to something. <laughs> but your plan, you've got some plans. I We'd love to, I'd love to hear about them. So we, um, my husband and I have always talked about having a, a home or a sanctuary or a, a resource for children who are older, uh, teenagers. I myself was in a group home once upon a time. And so that really spoke to my heart. I'm still in contact with my uh, group home parents from all those years oh ago. Goodness. And so, yes, we are starting a, a sanctuary for, for teenage children up in northern Arizona. And um, so, yeah, it's a dream come true. It's the home right next door to us. So oh we my can goodness. pour in in love. 
So you just felt God leading you to the, get the property next door. Yeah, it came up and yeah. That's fantastic. So the journey doesn't end. They're going to actually add another home. Yes. <laughs> that's, but you're bringing some people together. It's really exciting to watch. And God's, gonna, God's in. If he's leading it, he's going to provide for it and lead you. And so it's exciting. Absolutely. So how can people – yeah, what what can people do next? What could be a next step for people who are listening to the show? Oh boy. Well, it depends on again their gifts or and the leading of their heart, but um you know, ask some hard questions of ourselves. What what do we have to give because everybody should be doing something in the realm of, you know, whether it's supporting a foster so figure out what the role is. Are mm-hmm. we because you know, you look at James 127, it's pretty well it's close to a mandate. Right. Right. <laughs> but our no heart clause. Right. right. So we should be, you know, are we are we going to care directly? Are we going to support? Are we going to be that undergirding? Um, or, you know, what what is it that what is our place? So that that's really what it is. So start looking into those programs. Should I be fostering? Should I be? Oh, people don't realize you can be a foster parent that is essentially a supportive, like a respite only provider, where you can come alongside foster for a parents. weekend or something like yes. that. Yes, people yeah. don't know that they can do that, but they can totally do that. Yeah. Um, I've known so many foster families who so appreciate a respite. Oh, it's huge. Yeah. Always a need. And then, you know, like I said, there, there's CASA. CASA, people need to to advocate for children. It's sure. the most amazing thing. If you want to dedicate some time, get to know some kiddos, but not have them in your home, but you feel like you can, you know, speak to what would be in their best interest, mm-hmm. check that out. There's so many avenues. There's so many avenues. So it, it's it's a matter of are we willing? Yes. And so, James, you're asking the great a great question of all of us. It says, are we willing to be led into the space to open up our hearts and even open up our homes or wallets or yeah. time? Uh, but the, the here I am, Lord, send me is really what we should all say when we're in the presence of God. But thank you so much for taking the time to be on this show. It's been a pleasure talking with you and really excited what God has in store for you as he leads you into this next chapter. Thank you. And it's been so much fun being here. So thank you. Thank you. Take care. Thank you for listening today. Counterculture is made possible by Care Portal, helping local churches help children and families in crisis. Sign up you and your church today at careportal.org.